It's been about three weeks ago. We had a visit from our granddaughter. Have I told you? (laughs) Ruby Nell Frazier came to visit. And as she did, she brought her mama and daddy with her. (laughs) Margaret and Caleb were with us for a few days. And it was just a wonderful blessing to have them there in our house. Uh, We shared a number of meals together. Um, One of the meals toward the end of the week, um, I was preparing to say a word of prayer and I said, let us, let us pray. And I reached out hands to, to hold hands around the table and Margaret, our daughter looked at me and she said, I got this. I said, okay, you've got this then. And she said, we've been uh, practicing with Ruby a uh, prayer that, uh, she had learned that Margaret had learned at a church camp. Margaret serves as in a part-time capacity as a youth minister up at the uh, at a parish ministry up in northeastern Tennessee, and so she has a number of churches that have made it possible for her to do uh, youth ministry there. And uh, so we were sitting there around the table, and as I reached out, hands, she, she shook her head and said, no, that will not work. Um, she said, let me get this thing started. And she looked across the table at Ruby, and she said, are you ready? And uh, Ruby nodded her head, and so Margaret put her fist in the air, and she said, thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Thank you, Lord, for giving us friends. And Ruby was doing this. For the food we eat and the friends we share. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> it, was, it was a celebration, let me tell you. We laughed. It was a wonderful prayer. And it was a celebration of the joy of just being together in that space. Uh, I've never uh, heard the Star Wars theme used so effectively <laughs> as in that prayer. You can't sing that without smiling. There's a cheerfulness of heart that is essential to our giving. You may have picked up on that. I hope over the course of these several weeks, um, I hope I have not worn you out with my preaching on stewardship. Somebody asked me on Friday night, are you tired of this? Are you ready for it to be over? And I said, I have run out of stewardship illustrations. For that reason, I'm ready. But but I, I must tell you that this has not been like a wet blanket for me, and I hope it has not been for you either, that this has been a time of renewal in our congregation. And for me, in my heart, I am inspired by all that has gone on. Our consultant, John Hewitt, had said to us early on, he said, in some churches in which we have carried on the, uh, the stewardship campaign, He said there was almost like a revival atmosphere. And I tell you, in my mind, there has been much revival that has gone on here this fall already amongst us. God has been at work with his people. You have been so receptive for his guidance. This cheerfulness of heart is absolutely crucial if we are seeking to please the heart of God. That's what Paul was getting at here when he said, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Say that with me. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now this Jerusalem offering that he was raising 
uh, was intent, uh, the, the purpose behind it was to give support to those that were leading the church in Jerusalem. He circulated, of course, among the Gentiles and traveled widely. Uh, but those that were in Jerusalem were really very limited in what they could provide for themselves. Paul was always busy with doing something in order to support his work um, and engaging with people that were way out in distant places. But those that were back in Jerusalem, remember who, that was, who was there. These were persons that were uh, used to living by the Sea of Galilee and, and fending for themselves, supporting their ministry uh, by fishing. Uh, several of them particularly were And they were confined in a place where they did not have access to that livelihood. Paul was intent on sending an offering to them, bringing an offering to them that would represent well how the larger church saw the, the, uh, the, in essence, the headquarters of what the early church was. And so he went out asking. When he got to Corinth, uh, the people in Corinth were so inspired by his preaching and by his commitment, they pledged an enormous sum of some sort. We don't know what it was, but they pledged that when he came again, that they would supply an enormous sum. Paul was so encouraged by this that when he went to other churches, particularly when he was in Macedonia, that he shared with them that the church in Corinth was going to give this amount, not meant to, to finagle them to give that same amount, but to encourage them that they might raise their consciousness to give in a very generous way as well. Now, we don't know how Macedonia did. We don't know how Corinth did. But there is this sense in which something must have gone well because the Apostle Paul had such a spirit of celebration in the midst of all of this. But he gave Corinth a warning before he went to them. He said, he said don't let this be an embarrassment to me and even more so to you by if I come and you do not have this generous offering that I have already spoken to the Macedonians about, it certainly will be an embarrassment to all of us. You and I are on this path now. What is at the heart of the path? Our needs can be overwhelming. I know that. Individually, I've seen that in a number of persons. Even recently, hurricanes will come. Fires will uh, sweep through areas. Illness occurs. An economy will ravage uh, a community and take away jobs that once were there. There are all kinds of things that will entrap us in depression of our souls, our spirits, in our time of giving. Perhaps the most dangerous thing of all to me, though, is what is entitled compassion fatigue for those that have given until the point that they do not know that they have any more to give, any more spirit, any more strength, anything in terms of resources to give. And so they become fatigued to the point of losing all the joy that was once a part of what they did. I hope that you and I cannot be robbed of this type of joy. Just one person's joy, just one person's cheerfulness, one person's celebration can be transforming. That's the way it was around that table when we sang that blessing. 
it was transforming to all of us. I knew a banker um, in a former church that I served who had learned the secret of gratitude and cheerful giving. It was just a part of his life. I have no idea what he gave to the church, but I have no question in my mind that it was very generous in, in many ways. What I do remember about this man is that he, would, he was a part of our church finance committee. And at those church finance committee meetings, occasionally, I know that some of you have been a part of church finance committees meetings, God bless you. God bless you, because at times they can, can, can get downright discouraging. As we think about the enormity of need compared to where we are at times financially. And there was one of these situations I particularly remember in which the banker was sitting around the, the room with the, the other um, members of that committee, and we were discouraged to the point that we were pretty down And he looked at us and he smiled and he threw up his hands and he said, it's just money. I had never thought about that before. I had put money on a higher pedestal than that, you know. You don't say just money. Those two words don't go together. And yet that's exactly what Jesus was talking about, wasn't it? He was saying, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve money? You're going to serve God. Which are you going to choose? Are you going to choose those things uh, that when you have enough of it, you feel really good? When you don't have much of it, you don't feel very good about it? Are you going to be so directed toward money that it traps you in its grip? Are you going to serve God? Is your heart, is your mind, are your eyes peeled toward God? It was an incredible lesson for me to hear him speak those words of wisdom. Just a few years ago, uh, Bishop Watson was our resident Episcopal leader, and uh, he was uh, very much interested in the South Georgia Conference supporting, through connectional giving, a school, an orphanage, and a school that were being formed in Uganda, in Africa. And while he was here as bishop, um, there was a children's choir that came together, that was put together in that Uganda mission, humble place, and they came here and performed here at annual conference, and it was just a phenomenal event. These young children, probably 20 of them, uh, sang out so gracefully um, in their native tongue and some in, in English. They had been coached well, but what, was, what I remember so about the event was that they were so happy. They were, they were dancing there on the stage, and they were just smiling so, and they were filled with such joy. Uh, before uh, Bishop Watson got up to preach that evening, he went over with his microphone to interview several of the children. It was sort of one of those art link letter kind of uh, events, you know, that children will say the darndest things. But he, he talked with a couple of the children and he was asking them the question, what do you like best about the United States? And he was expecting to get answers like, like my motel room or all the cars, the streets are really nice and it's just a, a beautiful setting, the mountains and everything. But this one child so sincerely looked into his eyes and answered the question, Burger King, Burger King. <laughs> and he was, he was taken off guard, Bishop Watson was. But I, I thought to myself when, when hearing that, that it is, it is so strange, you know, because even the, the smallest thing 
when you look at it with the eyes of joy can be something. You and I just go by Burger King, we don't even see that it's there. You know, we go in and we get a hamburger and it's just a hamburger. But for this child, it was just a moment of celebration in his life that he could go into Burger King. Have you lost that sense of celebration or is your life infused with that type of thanksgiving on a regular basis? You know, I could ask you, how is it that you feel about this? Um, How do you feel about your giving? But I want to ask you something a little different. How is it that you feel about other people whom you have seen giving in ways of celebration and joy and gratitude? Because I know that you've seen these people across the course of your life. I know that you have seen people that have given of themselves in this way to the world. I know I have. I've seen people that I still remember so very clearly. I remember one lady in a church that we serve not too far from here, uh, Jane, who was a person of such joyful generosity. And in fact, her generosity particularly was among the families of migrant workers. Jane would adopt people that were there in town. And she would go out looking to gather children for children's ministry programs, but she was particularly interested in the question, do they have anything to eat? Do they have anything to wear that is, that is appropriate for sending them to school? Do, do they have good parental support? Are they connecting in some way with the church? And she spent her life, I'm talking about spent her life and her money or resources in order to be the answer to these questions for these children that she would care for. She was remarkable. And I have no doubt that God smiled at what she was doing. I remember a man whose name was Buckshot. I'm not sure that that was on his birth certificate. (laughs) But... Buckshot, that was what everybody knew him by. Buckshot was a farmer down in Miller County. And Buckshot um, was unlike any farmer that I have ever known. And uh, this is not to give farmers a bad reputation, but if you ask a farmer how he's doing, don't expect an encouraging answer. Um, Everything is always in motion. I think that's the problem is that there's always something that is looming out ahead that may be greater than the resources that, you, than you've, that you've been able to gather. But Buckshot was different. When you asked Buckshot how things were going, he would tell, even if there was a drought or even if there was a deluge of rain on his peanut field, he would come up with some way of telling you that life was pretty good and that God was blessing it. He was a remarkable, a remarkable man that had such a spirit of joyful integrity. He told me one day, he said, he said, I stood in the end of a rainbow. I said, Buckshot, you can't stand in the end of a rainbow. I was trying to give him the intellectual response. I said to him, I said, a rainbow is created by this prismatic effect of the rays of the sun shining through the atmosphere, and it is directly related to your position when you are viewing it, and if you move where you are, the the rainbow, and he stopped me at this point, (laughs) and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, preacher, 
he said, I stood in the middle of a rainbow, in the end of a rainbow. He said, I was going out across my field on the tractor. I saw a rainbow. I saw that it ended in my field. I stopped the tractor. I got off the tractor. I walked over. The rainbow ended right on me. Who am I to say that didn't happen? I mean, who am I to say? Who am I to say that God was not smiling on buckshot that day because of the wonderful celebration and joy that was a part of his life? Do you know people like this? Have you encountered people like this that get it, that really get it? You and I are called to be cheerful in our giving. In fact, the Greek word is hilarious, the root of hilarity. You and I are called. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Say it with me, for God loves a cheerful giver. As we come to the close of worship today, I want to give you the chance to consider your giving. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there is an envelope that uh, the ushers will give you. Um, Inside the envelope, uh, there is a small card that gives you an opportunity to make a commitment to the 2017 ministry budget of the church. This keeps our programs alive and well uh, through this next year. This is crucial. If you are able over and above your regular giving to the ministry budget of the church, we encourage you to make a commitment uh, to give to the capital campaign. And that's the longer card here. Uh, you can fill this out and place both of these into the, into the envelope that is given to you. And when you do that, I encourage you to seal it and uh, a chance will be given. Tina will be playing some quiet music for us over the next few minutes. Um, I would encourage you to, once you receive this uh, and to fill it out, bring it to the front and place it in the wooden uh, basin that is here before us. If you would like to spend a few moments in silent meditation and prayer, this altar is open to you. Um, After all have had the opportunity to make their commitment, uh, we will return to our seats and continue with the close of our worship. But I'll ask the ushers to come forward at this time. Let us be prayerful and we'll take a few moments of just quietness as Tina plays.